0: Hey, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Finance 101. This is your host, Brent Dunn, and today's another late-night episode. It's here at 10, exactly 10 p.m. on a Monday night. Just got home from playing basketball uh, an hour ago and uh, thought it'd be fun to do this. I've I've been wanting to do this episode for a, a few days, and now is finally the chance to do it. So this episode is going to be about how much of your, your, I guess, gross or net income should you be spending on rent or housing as a total. And though this isn't a hard and fast number, there isn't, you know, one, one precise percentage of your income that you should or should not be spending. It is at least a general guideline for people to at least know about because a lot of people are probably out there that just have no idea and they might think you know well everyone's you know paying this much for for housing and uh, so i i am too and and you might not know that you might be paying too much and that hurts you uh, with doing other things in your life financially and not just financially but (laughs) as a person it's not. It's not financial goals. It's it's life goals. Before we get into it, though, I thought it'd be fun since I did the me and Zach did the crypto the Bitcoin podcast last episode to start each episode with <laughs> the the price of Bitcoin. So right now, Bitcoin's around fifty nine ninety six. So just just under six thousand and we'll see what happens for there from there again i'm not a don't consider it investment advice when i talk about bitcoin but it's fun to see a totally new thing that will eventually change the world and a lot of people don't we we didn't scratch the surface of what blockchain actually can do and decentralization actually is you know you could have you, you could stop all the hacks all the hacks of the, the main, you know, the, what is it, Equifax? I, <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. The one uh, big, like, credit card or um, credit history uh, company that got hacked a year or two ago. You know, if that information is decentralized, then they could only hack, you know, one, one person's account. And that's about it. They can't hack the whole system because there's no one central place where that information is held and there's so many so many more things like for i'm thinking about even driver driverless cars you know they're gonna have to operate on their own kind of internet you know internet of things and in order for it it, you know into the best way i think for them to not be able to be hacked you know what if someone gets in there and tells the whole the whole system Every car turn left now, <laughs> you know. Half the world would die if if you just did that. And in order for that to not, you know, not be hackable or n- not to get a virus in the system, I guess you have to decentralize it so that there's no single point of failure. You know, the great thing about decentralized money like Bitcoin is there's no single point of failure. You know, the Venezuelan government. I did a a presentation in international finance about this in school. And their whole economy collapsed. They have hyperinflation. You know, eggs there cost, you know, like a 100 bucks for a dozen eggs. And it's because uh, their economy got so bad and just because of bad decisions by the government. No one trusted the government, you know. They didn't want their money. Other countries didn't trust their money. And so it just all spun out of pr- proportion, and it's because the this the, the currency's centralized. Every Venezuelan op- operated off the bolivar, if that's how you say it. Uh, but so when the the central government collapses, uh, it collapses the economy. Uh, then everyone's money and currency collapses just in their hands. You know they're uh, oh one dollar you know their their currency it, it devalued like crazy in a matter of days you know you you were able to the inflation just doubles triples in a matter of days and that's because you know if, if they're operating off the off bitcoin and yeah it's super volatile right now just because it's so new you know it got down to one before in the early days i it got up to like three hundred dollars or something and it went all the way down to one cent i hope that's somewhat right (laughs) it was at least a hundred i think it was around 280 it was around there and it went down to one cent and you know it's just because it's so volatile no one's uh, officially adopted it and the the winklevoss etf that we were talking about on Last episode was vetoed, I guess, or canceled. I saw some some tweets about it on <laughs> about some uh, traders, crypto traders I follow on Twitter. So with that being said, I just want to want to talk about that. People don't understand what decentralization and blockchain is going to do for the world, when we're just scratching the surface. You know, it, it makes every everything tradable on a very minute very uh, precise uh, scale i guess and that could be so uh important for a lot of different things a ton of different things so with that being said we're going to go into the topic of discussion today so it's about how much of your income should you be spending on 're renting and, and by by rent I mean your housing if, if you have a mortgage or you know if you're an apartment or if you're renting a house how much of your how much of, as a percentage of your income should be going towards that and that includes utilities and water and HOA fees if you have them it's homeowners Association so everything everything involved with you living in that place, How much of your monthly income is that? And there are a few different ways that people people, uh, use as a rule of thumb. So one of the more, uh, I guess, common ways is 30% of your gross income. So 30% of your gross income. So if you're making... (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to do the calculation right now. If you're making 10,000 gross each month, then no more than 3,000 should be going towards rent. That's a that's a reasonable number. If you're making 10,000 gross, which is 120,000 gross each year, that's not net. Net it would be probably more around 100,000. But if you're making 10,000 gross a month, that's around 30% of the $3,000 you should be spending. And uh, not I'd say not not much more or not more at all than 30% of your gross. Another way, which is uh, the way I believe Dave Ramsey as well as the way I like a lot more is 25% of your take-home pay. So 25% of your take-home pay, which is a decent amount less than 30% of your gross. Because you know, 30% of your gross is uh, that's you know that's more than your gross is before taxes. So take home is gonna be you know if you're making ten thousand a month and you're um, generally you know, paying twenty percent in taxes, so that's eight thousand dollars, that is your take home, and a quarter of eight thousand dollars is two thousand dollars. So instead of thirty percent of your gross which was $3,000 now 24 or 25% of your take home is $2,000 so 1,000 less which is 12,000 over the course of the year so it's a I mean, it's a big difference that <laughs> if you're invest $12,000 extra a year that's a that's a world difference huh? come retirement or you know using it for early retirement so knowing that Hopefully, you're around there. Uh, if you're not, if you're way above there, just realize that you'll have to cut down uh, more on other things in your life. So, uh, other people that are that are only spending the 25% in their tank home, they have more money to, to spend on their car and their entertainment and stuff like that. So, it's really just what you value. Do you value... Your take-home Chinese food. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. Do you, do you value that more? Or do you value your, your nicer house? I'm not sure why I considered take-home Chinese food a, a luxury item. But <laughs> which do you value more? You know, if maybe you really value traveling the world. Well then, if you value that, then only, you know, just Airbnb your house when you're living here. You know, get a cottage home or something, or not a cottage home. Those are, you know, legit. But get uh, spend as the as least money as possible because you don't value spending money on a home as much as you value traveling the world. Maybe you maybe you value being able to live in a certain area a town you want to be by a lake or something well just realize that you know because of that you're gonna have to spend less on other items so maybe you have have to get a, a cheaper car or just not go out to eat as much you know there's nothing wrong with with spending you know a lot of money on your house or a lot of money on other things you just have to realize that hey because I'm spending more on this, there's a, the opportunity cost, what I'm missing out and uh, what I'm missing out and is being able to spend this money elsewhere. And you know I, I guess you could spend it elsewhere with a, a credit card or something, but, but it all catches back up. You know you can't uh, One of my favorite bloggers says you can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. And I think that's true it's really true even if you want i mean (laughs) maybe not any anything but you know if you want a million dollar car you could afford it you might you might not have any money for retirement but at least you'll have the million dollar car and if you value the million dollar car more than you value retirement then then that's a good deal go for it (laughs) you know who's the who's to say you're wrong you could sleep in that car you could you could go and shower at planet fitness and you can you can use mcdonald's wi-fi that's you know the three basic needs of life (laughs) shelter a wi-fi and um showering and if that's what you want if if the lamborghini is worth that to you then then it is nothing wrong with that so another thing Uh, another benchmark or rule of thumb that people use when calculating how much money you should be spending on rent or housing people say that no more uh, no more than 43 percent of your gross income should be should be going towards housing and uh, bills combined and by bills i mean Uh, credit card bills and student loan payments and and other other bills that you have so no more than 43 percent of your money should be going out for for basically liabilities so if you don't have any i mean that's well that's i'll say this that's just that's only if you have a lot of a lot of uh bills (laughs) and stuff I mean it's not that much only 13% more but I'm not saying to j- just go out and and spend 43 3% of your gross income on a house just because you don't have any credit card debt. You know there's uh, you know there's no reason to. You could again if you value it but I don't think a lot of people value it enough. So another rule of thumb for just general expenses uh, as a whole, just to, to know at least, is the 50-30-20 um, budget model, I suppose you could call it. So 50-30-20, which is 100% <laughs> if you add them up. So 50% of your of your gross income, or I guess net income, <laughs> you can't uh 50% of your net income, has to should go towards or you know in in general go towards transportation food and housing so maybe you're spending 30 percent of your net income on housing and 10 percent on transportation and 10 on food or maybe 30 on housing um, 15 on food and five percent on transportation you know maybe you live right by work or maybe you work from home, something like that. And it and it just depends on your certain situation. You have to look at it and say, Oh, you know, okay, I, I work really far from home. This means that you know, I, I better make sure my housing is low, you know, the housing payments are low, or try to make my my grocery bill smaller to make up for the, the extra transportation costs that I'm that I'm spending, and you just have to go into in your budget and kind of calculate it out. Just make sure that what you're doing, where you're living, stuff like that is actually worth worth it to you. Next is thirty percent. So thirty percent of your of your net income should go towards things like entertainment and other non-essential things. Well, not a, non-essential, maybe like toiletries and stuff like that, but. 30 percent just towards your your basic um, sort of discretionary income just make sure you have all the, the stuff you need make sure you know you're <laughs> you' you spend it on your your yoga classes or whatever you do uh, your vegan food 30 percent of it should go to that around you know generally and then the rest which is 20% of your net income should go towards paying off debt or saving for retirement. So if you have a lot of debt, there's no problem with you know, putting the full 20% towards the debt, you know if it has a, a higher interest rate than you'd EB, be, you'd be able to kind of arbitrage in the you know with investing. So around 20% should go towards debt and saving for retirement. A good number to shoot for for sure for for a yearly, you know, grow, net income. The uh, for retirement is is fifteen percent at least. You should be saving for retirement, and if you do that, um, <laughs> I don't know what year to start that. I've always heard fifteen percent, but I I don't know what year people start that at. You know, is that you know fifteen percent when you're twenty years old or starting at thirty years old? But I'll just say that, uh, <laughs> um. If you need to know how much you, you should be saving, just come to me. I'll, I'll help, you, help you figure that out for what kind of lifestyle you want to live in retirement. And now, so 50, 30, 20. 50, transportation, food, housing, 30, entertainment, non-essentials, and 20, payoff debt and safer retirement. So with that being said, just remember 25, you know, around 25% of your net income should be going towards housing or uh, you know (laughs) less is less if you could if you could do so and you know hopefully no more than 30% of your gross the reason why it's 30% of your gross income you know why it (laughs) there's actually a reason why why people say 30% of your gross which is the more of the 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 number that uh, mortgage companies use I believe is because back in 1981 I believe Uh, the government use that as the the number for to see what people qualified for government housing you know the discounts for government housing so if you're paying more than 30 percent of your gross income on housing then you'd qualify for for some discounts or however that works exactly i'm not sure i'm (laughs) i don't want to talk too much just because i don't know about it but you know, if you're, if you're paying more than 30%, that's, that's not good. And so many people, I was looking online, so many people are paying even half of their gross, gross monthly income on rent. And that's just, you know, that's just unsustainable. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to save for the future when that happens, because you're right there, you're paying 50% just on, tr- just on housing. That means, that means your housing or your your transportation food would probably be the that would end up being the in the 30 percent column when i'm i'm talking about the 50 30 20 right now so if the whole 50 is housing that means transportation food and entertainment and non essentials would have to make up the 30 which is impossible which means it would it would uh a pile over to the the extra 20% of your money so instead of being able to pay off debt and save for retirement you'd be spending all your money on the the here and now and be, because of that you're just not able to save for retirement you're not able to retire at a decent age and you know maybe uh, Yeah, nothing's wrong with work until you're 75. You know, I'm an advocate of that. You know, if you're doing what you want to, what you want to do, then work till you're 75 or 80. You know, people are going to be living till you know 150 years old pretty soon, just because of of science. So, you know, if you, you know, maybe that works out for you, just know that it's a little more dangerous. You know, having to rely on working. And being healthy until you're seventy or eighty-five years old, just realize that it's a lot more dangerous. And what if you get sick at eighty, and you don't have an emergency fund? You don't have a backup plan for what to do when you get sick. You know, those are all just things to think about. You know, I'd rather be rather be safe than sorry. Rather have some uh, some uh, some savings to to rely on if need be in that kind of situation but to each his own i think is a saying so <laughs> you know there's nothing wrong with with work and longer than than what retirement age is just just don't rely on it just don't be uh, unsafe with it and think that because you're going to do that that you don't have to save any money because you never know what the future holds so with that i think that is it today Uh, i think this is important thing to do i'm trying to think of you know basic concepts you know basic rules of thumb for people to to know and try to live by when it comes to finance because so many people don't even know you know like you're not supposed to pay your credit card off each month you know things like that (laughs) because and then you know if you're if if you have that mindset then you're just never going to be able to to save and retire because you know (laughs) there's no way to invest if you have a credit card balance whatever whatever money you're investing in the market when you have a credit card balance you know unless if you're investing in crypto and In the fall of 2018 (laughs) quarter four or 2017 i mean in the fall of 2017 where where the only the only way was up you know unless you're doing that there you can't be investing for retirement if you have a credit card credit card uh bills credit card payments you know unless if you're using them to to arbitrage the system like i talked about in a previous episode (coughs) about using about using credit cards for your to your advantage which yeah still not enough people are doing it not enough people are using it and i think as i saw by the the stats of that show of of the listener retention people people uh people really liked that one and people learned a lot and it's such an easy way to you know, if you're buying a fridge, you know, might as well just go get a credit card and save a hundred dollars on that fridge, and you know, boost your credit score in the long run uh, as a byproduct. <laughs> you know, might as well. You know, it's, you know, when you learn things like that, it's it's stupid not to not to take advantage of it. I don't want to say stupid, but you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, it would behoove you not to take advantage of. Of things like that and if you don't know what I'm talking about go back a few episodes something about credit card uh, hacking <laughs> and you know, there's so much stuff if you actually travel then like the travel reward points are you're worth even more than the, the bonus 100 or 150 dollars uh, that you get from the ones I talked about I believe but I don't I'm not traveling right now so I'd rather take the the bread so that's it for today. I always, I'm um, just gonna stop saying that's it for today because it never is, but this time it really is. So I'll try to try to make one tomorrow. I'll put a blog, yeah, you know, I'll put a blog post about this episode, just a really short one. Uh, You're free to look at if you want to come back to it, or if you just don't like listen to the podcast, just go read that instead. But I think it's too late now since we're already 20. 25 minutes in (laughs) so that's it for today peace out this is brent dunn wholesome financial and talk to you later